my goodness. Not only is this Kyle's favorite Sunday of the year, it is my favorite Sunday of the year, despite the fact that I'm not preaching. Here's what we do on Five for Five Sunday. We invite five people, and this year it's five people in each service. So it's going to be a different set of five in our second service. We invite five people from the congregation to share a five-minute message with you during the sermon portion of our, uh, of our church service. It is always an exciting time. You're going to love hearing their different perspectives, testimonies, their insights from the Bible. We have heard all of them, and I'm just telling you, they're incredible. You guys are really going to love them. Now, here's what I want to kind of clarify for you, okay? These are folks that are just like you. They haven't been to seminary. I don't know. Maybe some of them haven't. I don't know about it. But for the most part, they probably haven't been to seminary. They're not trained pastors. They don't get up week after week like I do and teach. But you know what? They have put a ton of effort into this message. They've rehearsed and they've rehearsed. They've studied and they've written and then they've rewritten and then they rehearsed and then they rewrote some more and oh then they were over time so I told them they had to cut some so it's been a process for them over the last couple of weeks okay but here's the thing they're stepping out of their comfort zone this morning to share a message with us and I believe it's not just them sharing what's on their heart it's them sharing what God has placed on their heart you need to hear what they're about to say I need to hear what they're about to say so what we're going to do this morning is we together in this part of the room over here are going to be the most enthusiastic church you've ever seen in your whole life we are going to clap I want your hands chapped by the time you leave this morning because you are clapping so hard. If you've never said the word amen before, you're gonna say it before we leave today because we want these guys to know just how much we appreciate their willingness to stand in the spotlight and to deliver a message that will be an encouragement to us, all right? So that's your role today. Now let's take a moment and introduce all of our Five for Five speakers. Yeah, so let's talk about who's speaking today. We're gonna flash their face on the screen and when we do, give a huge shout. I'm gonna introduce them. First, we have Shanna Wimbush. Then we have Mike, Mike Bolu, Ebby Boda, Don Ajebede, and Robin Manzano. Now, give a loud cheer for our first speaker, Shanna Wimbush. All right. Good morning, Connect Church. I'm Shanna, and I'm one of the kids' team leads here at Connect. Um, I've been a Christian since 2019, and prior to that, I was anything but. Let's just say that if you were to go to the New Age section at Chapters, I was into every single one of those books. So today I want to talk to you about a verse that really shone light on my own sin and need for repentance. I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 13. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you, You must be blameless before the Lord your God. That's pretty heavy, right? (laughs) Well, Pastor Dan always tells us that the Bible is written for us, not to us, and that we have to understand the historical context in everything we read. 
So in the book of Deuteronomy, it was written near the end of Moses' life after he'd spent 40 years wandering in the desert with the Israelites. See, God had rescued them from Egypt, and then they rebelled so bad that God punished them by saying an entire generation would have to die off before they could enter the promised land. So in this book, Moses lays out the responsibilities of the Israelites to follow God's commands and what will happen if they don't. Now you're probably thinking, okay, Shanna, but like, what do Moses' words to the Israelites have to do with me in my life today? Well, in our Western culture, we're surrounded by temptations of ungodly practice. So I want to go through these verses line by line and just explain how I apply them to my life. So let's start with child sacrifice. <laughs> now, thankfully, I'm not seeing any shrines in our city where people are throwing babies into fire, but I am seeing kids being sacrificed to idols. I see parents sacrificing their children's opportunity to know God by prioritizing their worship to competition, sports, other things that are stopping them from coming to church on Sundays. And, you know, I can verify we have an amazing program going upstairs with our Connect Kids, and it is too crucial for the foundation of their faith for them to miss coming to church on Sunday mornings. The next items I want to talk about are divination, sorcery, and the interpretation of omens. Now, this is a big part of my past life. One of the things I did, I was a card reader, and I even had Christians who would come to me for angel card readings. Angel healing is very prominent in our city right now, and the people who are doing it, you know, they think that they're working with angels. They have really good intentions. Um, but when I started paying more attention to Jesus instead of angels, I found out the hard way that my angels were actually demons. Next, we're told not to engage in witchcraft. Now, this is a big one to define. It's a lot to unpack. So I'm going to just pick one commonality. Witches are known for wearing amulets. So my question to you is, have you ever gone to a store and purchased a piece of jewelry because it was marketed that it was going to ward off or attract something into your life? An example could be like a piece of rose quartz cut in the shape of a heart, and it says that if you wear this, it's going to bring you love. I see people, including Christians, wearing things like this all the time. They're putting their faith into a rock instead of God. Um, but it's so ingrained in our modern culture that they don't even realize the problem, that they're worshiping creation instead of the creator. So lastly is a warning not to consult with mediums. Now, I understand that the idea of being able to talk to a past loved one can bring a lot of comfort and peace, um, but the problem with attempting to do this is that you're giving an invitation to open up to the spiritual realm, and when you do that, anything can talk to you. So whether you're hiring a medium or you're going to Toys R Us and you're just buying a Ouija board, what you're doing is you're telling the enemy that your trust in scripture has wavered and you want to hear anything that'll make you feel better, and then guess what? You will! <laughs> because he's the master of deceit. He knows how to give just enough information to make it all seem true. But when my angels turned out to be demons, it became clear that mediumship was also just another channel to distract us from God. So my final thought is this. Are you blameless before the Lord your God? God's people are meant to be set apart and different, not patterned after surrounding nations or whatever's going on in our modern culture. You know, I used to be into just about every single New Age fad there was. My friends were the same way. We searched everywhere for answers and meaning, but the truth was always still missing. Then I met some people who were different. They had hearts to serve their community, and they were just so genuinely good and kind to one another. This was the 2017 Ladies Connect board game group. Now... I wasn't a Christian at the time, but my friend Lissa called and said, hey, come anyways, because I know you like games, so I did. And there I met a group of women who were different in all the best ways. And that made me want to learn why they were different. And ultimately, that's what opened my heart to knowing Jesus. You have friends and family in your life who are looking for answers like I was, but they won't find something new unless we offer them something new. As someone who is so deeply involved in the New Age, I want to encourage you not to take for granted what it means to be saved. 
I thank God every day for it. It's why I worship the way that I do. Our Lord is our savior. Our Lord is our answer. So we need to stop looking elsewhere and then just be ourselves and stand strong in our faith, even if that makes us seem a little weird because God made his followers different, but maybe that's exactly what the world needs right now. Thank you. Two years ago, I was sitting in my living room, scrolling through Marketplace, looking for some fresh new kicks. I see you, Dan, with your, your Jordan 4s there. Uh, Steph was un, undecorating the Christmas tree, and the kids were finally in bed, heading back to school the next day, when I found a message sitting in my inbox from a man claiming to be my biological father. After 35 years without him, I never thought this moment would actually come. I was in shock, overwhelmed with emotion, and completely speechless. So the thought of dealing with abandonment, rejection, and not being good enough always felt like a black hole to me. No beginning, no end, and no guarantee if there was ever a way out. So the next couple of years were full of attempts to deal with this black hole of dad pain that I carried and I buried. But now it was finding its way to the surface. So a few attempts that I tried completely failed. I kept thinking I could do it on my own. I have big, strong shoulders. But my first attempt, I hid behind my wall. We were expecting baby number four, and my work stress was at an all-time high. And my plate was completely full, but my pain wasn't going anywhere. So I went on parental leave. Truly, I could do it now, because I didn't have the work stress. Nope. I had four kids now. We were in a pandemic, and then we were also homeschooling at the same time. There was no quiet moment at my house. So later, I, I ended up preaching at Camp Evergreen, and I didn't want to share a lot of the story that I was going through, because I was not sure if it was having a happy ending. But I shared right in the middle of the messiness, and I admitted to, to the group there that maybe I had gotten as far as I could without community. So then, uh, Steph and I booked a couple days away in Canmore, and we were going to deal with it then. Uh, the first few days, surprise, surprise, I didn't want to deal with it. Um, on the last night, though, we were listening to some worship music and praying. A few people had prayed for us. Something shifted. God truly met me there. He showed me a really vivid picture of him beside my bedside as a teenager where I felt hurt, abandoned, and alone. And his presence made me feel a lot less overwhelmed. He had showed me in all of my childhood pain, teenager pain, Adult pain, he was with me every single step of the way. So a month later, we started counseling. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, initially, I resisted, but clearly, I needed it. Um, and God was sending help to help me deal with all of that pain. All I had to do was accept it. So I had this feeling um, that it was finally starting to get better over those next four months, but I still didn't know what to do with the messages that I was getting from my biological dad. Um, last fall, a lot of you guys were here and connected a crazy faith series. We were encouraged to write down some God-sized prayers, and I did. Um, right before Christmas, we were walking with some friends who were going through a really tough season in their marriage, and I drew close to God in prayer at this time. One night in prayer, I felt like he actually healed me from a lot of anxiety every time I thought about that contact with my dad. So, and this past spring, um, our leader, Mike, uh, for one of our men's groups, challenged all of us to make amends with our parents. And I knew at that time, it was finally time to do so. 
So you probably don't share the same story that I do, but I can imagine some things in your life probably feel like they're too big to deal with, and your coping strategies aren't really healing your pain. Romans 8.28 has always been my life first, and I once believed it, but now I can truly say that I've lived it. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So here's what I want to invite you to believe in today, that God can use the not so good, that doesn't feel good, for good, if you will only trust him. As I did, the next thing he told me to do so, always a little reluctant, but God has started to heal my pain little by little. So what about you? Are you guys willing to take that on and trust God with the not so good that don't feel good and use it for good. So some of the things that I learned through all of it was you can't work your way out of some of your weaknesses. You can't heal some of those hurts. You, can't bear, you can only bury your brokenness for so long before it resurfaces. So big thing is you can invite God's presence into that pain and all you have to do is follow him out of it. He can use that pit that you're in, and he can use it for your platform. So what changes when we all believe that God can do all things for good? So remember that crazy faith series? Um, Here's a few answered prayers from that. So in the past four months, with the Holy Spirit's help, I've been able to forgive my dad, make amends with him, even meet him on FaceTime, make amends with my mom, and even say yes to a call from God to plant a church in Airdrie. So... I know God uses all things for good, and I want you to know that as well. Thank you. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So some of you know that while I'm from Calgary, I lived in Edmonton for about five years during university. I'd had a church in Edmonton that I'd originally loved, but as time went on, it shifted into like, and then I was looking for something new. The reason? My community had disappeared. As more and more friends graduated, it was really hard not having that university community that I'd come to rely on. When I moved back to Calgary, I prayed that God would help me find a new church and regain Christian community, and I found Connect. I wasn't hit with a mental phrase or Connect Church and flashing lights, nothing like that. I literally Googled churches, and Connect Church was one of the first to come up. So I came. I was hesitant at first, but then I realized that I'm a grown woman, and it was going to be fine. I had a mental checklist that I didn't even realize I had, and Connect Church met them all. I was looking for joy in worship, diversity in worship, and a message that made me reevaluate my day to day. I had so much peace and comfort while I was here, which is crazy. And when I look back, it's clear that the Holy Spirit was telling me that I'd found my church home. I didn't feel weird coming on my home, and it felt uh, coming on my own, and it felt so welcome every time I walked through the door. It also helped that Connect doesn't do that thing where they make all the newcomers stand up and introduce themselves. (laughs) That would have been my first and last time. (laughs) As I continued coming to Connect, I knew that I wanted to get deeper into community, and I prayed that I would. 
Group Link was happening, like last week, and I decided to join two groups. So those of you that know me know that I like to fill my cup to the brim, and I already had a lot going on. I was job hunting, I had written an exam, I was studying for another exam, and I was helping my sister out at the pharmacy every day. But I still joined two groups because I felt a nudge to do so, and I am so thankful that I did. I joined Freedom Session and Friday Night Game Night. For Freedom Session, I remember hearing getting deeper and forming community, so I was sold. For those of you that have done Freedom Session, you know, it's a little bit different from that. I did get deeper, I did form community, but it was so much more than that. I know the Holy Spirit led me to that group for a re deeper reason, and I'm so thankful that he did, because a lot came out of that group for me. I got to work on my relationship with my father and not be so hard-hearted towards him, and rebuild some of the relationships that we had lost before he passed away. I formed relationship with people that I could call on to pray for me when I was struggling. I got closer to God, and I stopped running away from him and got to better at listening to the, what the Holy Spirit was saying. So Friday Night Games Night gave me balance. It was my time to recharge after the heaviness and be a little lighter and form a different type of connection. Connect groups are so important in forming community. 10 out of 10 would recommend. There's 14 of them, so check it out. During the time all this was happening, I also got a job. So like I said before, I lived in Edmonton, graduated from U of A, had a mechanical co-op degree, and the expectation is that you get a job right after graduating. But that didn't happen, and honestly, thankful that it didn't. Sometimes we push God for the right now, but his timing is so much better. After over a year of rejection, I got two job offers and had just interviewed for another role and was waiting to hear back. And I didn't know what to pick. They were all so different and would lead me down very different career paths. I was praying daily for clarity, but I felt like I wasn't hearing anything. So I asked others to pray for me and give me their opinions and thoughts. Now, this doesn't mean that you should listen to every person or even every Christian, but make sure that these people are spirit-filled, spirit-led, and full of faith, people that you can trust. And I got a unanimous answer. When I look at the other two roles, I see what I couldn't see then. I see an industry that would have led me further from God if I wasn't careful and destroyed my perception of men in the process. I see a company that would have let me go as soon as COVID started with no care for their employees. I see the Holy Spirit once again leading me where I needed to be with the help of those around me. So now I'm not always 100% sure I'm following the path set out for me, but I know that I can always ask God for what I need, making sure to give the Holy Spirit a chance to speak during my prayer time and follow his leading. And most importantly, Christian community is the top of the list. We always say you're not meant to do life alone here at Connect, and it's so true. When you're struggling, ask others for help because people are willing, but only if they know. Join a connect group and grow a family because that's exactly what you get, family. And don't carry the weight of the future all on your own. Good morning, church. Right. I liked Abby's testimony, uh, but she said it took a year to, take, to, to get the job. Um, and I want to talk about patience this morning. Uh, my text is Hebrews 6.12. It says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I like another translation of that, the New International Version. It says that that would be not lazy, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now... 
there's a crazy fate out there, and we all believe God for so many things, but it seems to take time, you know? And I just want to talk about that time part, and I want to call it patience because it's the fruit of the human spirit that God expects us to manifest. Um, why is patience important? Hebrews chapter 10 and 36, it says that you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. So you need that patience for your faith as, a, as an add-on before you can get the promise. So we, what is patience? I know patience means endurance, long-suffering, but I like one of the Hebrew, oh, sorry, the Greek translations of it that says it's a consistency. It's a cheerful endurance. It's when you are constantly consistent and yet just smiling through it. You come in, it's been a year looking for a job, but nobody knows because you're not grumbling, right? You come in because you're believing God for something, yet you're just not showing it. Why? Because you're patient. That is patient, being constant. That scripture says we should be followers of those. So we're going to look at somebody in the Bible, right? Because we need to copy. That's what it means. So Abraham, we all know we call him the father of faith. What did Abraham do? Um, if you look at Romans chapter 4, I'm just going to uh, just read from 19 here. He says that we be not weak in faith, that Abraham not being weak in faith, that he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, not yet this deadness of Sarah's womb, that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I just want to sit there for a minute. He said he did not stagger. When you're not patient, this is what you do. You know, you're like, uh, have, you, have you been through a line before? Have you seen somebody who's not patient? You know, they're going left, they're going right. Why is she taking time? She needs to hurry up, you know. I've got a flight to catch. No, when you're patient, you're not watching time. You cannot put God on a circle clock, right? He exists outside of that. So when he says be patient, it means he wants us to just bear under. I remember a few years ago, we wanted to move to Canada from the UK. And, uh, you know, my wife got a job. I thought I was going to get a job first, but I didn't, you know. You know? <laughs> and she got a job and nothing was happening. But I just had to learn patience that when God says it, he will do it. That he has promised a thing, he will bring it to pass, right? So, you know, uh, Abraham did not stagger, but he said that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You have to worship while you're waiting, right? That's a key thing. You have to stay, and that's how you don't know time is going, because you're there just worshiping. As you bear on that, you know, that pain, that, that, that rejection, you know, that symptom, whatever it is, you just stay there worshiping. You just stay there giving glory to God. That's what the Bible says. So that's, 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 that's what I'm saying this morning. That scripture in Isaiah 40, he says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, they will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Strength comes after we wait. And that's what God is telling us, you know. So, you know, Abraham looked like it wasn't happening for so long. But it did happen. Because God is yes and amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will do whatever he has promised, right? But we need patience. We need that ability to stay and just not waver and not look. If we look back at that scripture, it says that it did not consider his own body. We need to quit looking at, you don't have a job anyway, so stop thinking about that, you know? Um, start looking at what God said. 
and a final thought this morning when I was, you know, if you imagine this took weeks of just thinking, Lord, what am I going to say? And also saying, how do I talk in five minutes? Because I like to talk. So, so the Lord gave me a thought this morning, and I'm just going to close on that and leave that. And he just said, you know, when I woke up, I woke up really early nervous. And he said, why did it take three days and three nights for Jesus to resurrect from the dead? Could he not have done it in a day? Right? Because when it looks like, because God operates out of this time, and when it looks like he's taking time, it's because there's, a, there's an inner work that is happening. It was, we were worth it, and God was doing that work. So that job is worth it. That life partner is worth it. That healing is worth it. That new house is worth it. Hallelujah. So I've been thinking a lot about a dead guy. Um, You know, Lazarus, the one that's miraculously raised from the dead. Yeah, it's this amazing story in John chapter 11. Two sisters, Mary and Martha, the brother, Lazarus, gets really sick, and it doesn't look good, so someone goes to get Jesus, right? Jesus takes his sweet time, and by the time he arrives, Lazarus is totally dead in a cave for four days. And yeah, the whole community and the sisters are just emotionally wrecked. So the healing, of course, is next, but what I hadn't really noticed before was that Jesus doesn't actually perform this miracle all by himself. Instead, he purposely recruits ordinary people in Mary and Martha's community to help him. And that's what I think God wants us in this house, this family of believers at Connect, to really like get this in deep, that God is responsible for healing, but he commands us to get involved in the process. See, if we go back to the story, there was a community that was already involved, right? Like at least one person travels to another city to go get Jesus, and then a whole bunch of people just loved on the sisters, probably cooking meals, bringing groceries, um, cleaning up, lots of listening, empathy, crying with them, just offering whatever they uniquely could to just show love and support in such a painful time. And then fast forward to when Jesus finally arrives at the sealed tomb. He doesn't fly solo and just blow it up with heavenly explosives. He turns to the community and commands them to take the stone away. Lucky for Lazarus, there was no excuses of, I'm too busy, it's too hard, I don't want to, it stinks back there. Just, right? They just obediently listened and got it done. And then it's only after the people remove the barriers, right, that Jesus chooses to unleash his healing power. And um, Lazarus comes out of the cave looking like a mummy. <laughs> I mean, hey, Jesus could have, like, you know, had Lazarus walk out in slow motion and have everything, like, burn away. But he doesn't. He turns to the community and commands them to unwrap and release him. Would you touch that? Uh, I don't know. And probably, they probably do. They do. They obediently get their hands dirty. And then they throw probably the biggest party ever to celebrate that Lazarus was now fully alive and fully free. So... What if we at Connect are supposed to get close enough to each other to know the barriers and help each other get rid of them so God can do some healing? Or what if healing has happened but we're still tied up because we're not helping each other unwrap or live in true freedom? Or what celebrations are we missing out on because we don't really know each other and what's going on in each other's lives to even know to throw a party? Like, that's so sad. Like, we don't want that, right? So we really need each other, and there's no shame in that. I mean, I know we often say, I'm fine, things are good. But like Lazarus, we all have these, like, death-dying, broken parts of us that are heavy and hard to talk about and hard to carry. And God wants to heal all the things, but he often chooses to do this within community. 
it's his design. So it's not by accident that we are all here in this house together. We have a unique mix of strengths, abilities, life experiences, and resources. And for sure, we all have stories and testimonies of how God is real, how he loves us, and he shows up for us because he really does love us. I really think that God has already provided much of what we need in each other here at Connect. But in order to unlock them, we have to make time and space for each other. Oh, I understand how awkward and vulnerable it is to reach out and accept invitations, but we can't afford to stay in our COVID bubbles anymore. It's just even going one degree out of our core people, our comfort zones, it's going to help us be a deeply more connected community. And that's going to be essential for the health and the future growth of our church. So let's not just wait for an invitation. Let's all ask God who we can connect or reconnect with. If it's too scary, team up with someone. It really doesn't have to be fancy or Instagrammable. Just meet at your favorite spot or check at a new restaurant or offer to help with something. Run an errand together, a coffee, a walk, a bonfire, like literally anything to just hang out and get to know each other. And maybe ask some intentional questions like, tell me a bit of your story. How did you come to know God? What is God teaching you or showing you these days? What are some of your dreams? disappointments and doubts how can I pray for you or just follow up on something that was shared previously because I know we it all means so much to us when we do so can we all commit to take a next step a small step to connect yes right okay so before I run out of time I'm pretty sure God wants me to specifically call out the hosts of this house you know who you are those of you who are just naturally gifted at yeah, bringing people together, hospitality, just love making people feel at home and it's fun for you. I just want to strongly encourage you to take more immediate action. Carve out some time soon. Follow God's lead in who he wants you to host. It could be people who have similar interests or life stages or inviting unexpected combinations of people together. Hope you'll step up and accept this challenge. So to wrap up, let's be obedient to God's commands and work with him to bring us closer together and hopefully soon we'll get to celebrate our own stories of miraculous healings and see all the dead things come back to life. All for his glory. Let's do this thing.